Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. This one thing. I want you to say that with me. This one thing. I want you to say it again this one thing. The question is, what is it? Oh, I know that you're in church, so you're going to say, well, it's Jesus. Well, I'm going to play with that for a moment. And you'll have to ask yourself the honest question. You can say whatever you want to your neighbor. You can say anything you want to me. But right now, God knows, and so does the devil. What is that one thing really? Did you know that those words, this one thing, are three times in Scripture? Those exact words? It's very interesting. Two of them come from Jesus, and one does not. Interestingly, the one that does not is actually the right thing, not implying that Jesus got it wrong. But he's asking the question that I'm asking, what is that? one thing, this one thing. If you haven't been with us for At The Movies, let me just help you to go back three weeks ago. We did Top Gun Maverick, a new movie that came out just a little over a year and a half ago, starring Tom Cruise. And it's now how many years, over three decades from the first movie, where Tom loses, if you will, his best friend, his 8KA flight call called Goose, And he's been blaming himself for all these years, holding on to things. And we talked about forgiveness. The most important thing of understanding what it means to be a Christian. And I'm going to contend, without being negative, the number one thing that you don't see in God's church today. Whether we want to understand this, grasp it, admit it or not. The unsaved world sees those followers that call themselves followers of Jesus. Bitter, not better. Grudge holders, not God holders. Now we can argue, we can get mad, we can get offended. But it's not going to change what the unsaved world is seeing. They don't understand it. Why do I need to go to church? They're no different than me. And the whole understanding of Christianity and what Jesus did on the cross is that one thing, forgiveness. Then we looked at the movie Cinderella Man. Russell Crowe, true life story of Jim Braddock, the boxer, who went through, if you will, the Great Depression that really marked us, if you will, as a nation. So much was exposed in that moment. And what we talked about there is no matter what you face, if we're really a follower of Jesus, we don't have options. There's only one thing we can do, and that's the righteous thing. That's all we do. God said it, that's what I do. Doesn't matter what I face, doesn't matter the circumstances going around. I have to do what God has called me to do. The word of God is my authority. And then last week we looked at The Lion King, Disney's newest version, the one that almost seems real, if you will, blows my mind. 
And I'll just say this again, every time I watch it, I'm still just in awe because everything you see in the screen, none of it's real. All of that was hand-painted, drawn, created. It's absolutely crazy. But in The Lion King, what we did really, and I really didn't say this to you, but I'm hoping that you picked up on it, we looked at four things when it comes to life that we need to learn from a lion who never lies. If we're really going to be like Cinderella Man and do the right thing, and we really get forgiveness. And if I could just highlight three of those, we talked about worry, akuna matata, and yet we live in a world where so many people who call themselves Christians worry. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. We keep finding, if you will, worldly ways to deal with an inner struggle rather than understanding that Jesus is the answer to that, folks. I'm not downplaying anything, but there's a lot more that we run to rather than to him. And we need to figure that one out because the Bible says to cast all our worries upon him because he cares for us. Then we talked about, if you will, about letting go again. But then I really wanted to grasp the fact of the importance of friendship because I think that's another issue in our world today. We're just hanging around the wrong people. Instead of being the influence, we let them influence us. And friendships matter. You don't have to think that. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment because it's not my job to try to convince you of anything. I think if I ever had a fault in my first years of ministry, that would have been the issue. I feel like Paul, I'm begging, I'm hoping, but I can't do what only you can do for yourself. But who you hang around is a big deal. It is a big deal. I only want to be around those people that truly love Jesus with everything they got. And they care more about me being right with God than right with them. How about you? And then we talked about then getting into the game, living. There's too many people who call themselves followers of Jesus that sit in the sidelines and they let everybody else, if you will, be about the work of the kingdom. And there's just something wrong with that. If you're a follower, then you follow Jesus and we live and do as he had done. And Jesus said, as I've served, you serve. There is no option in that, folks. If you don't have time to serve, you don't have time to be like Jesus. That's just what it all it is comes down to. Every day we're about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the world. But that's where I want to bring it full circle. And I want to wrap this up. Three times in the Bible, this one thing is said. Say those words with me again. This one thing. This one thing. This is what life's about. Your finger? No. It's crazy, though. You drive in this city, and you'll think it's about one finger. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? If you hang around certain people, you'll learn it's about this one finger. Watch how people live. You'll learn it's about these fingers, sure hope. Or when it comes to a lot of people's words, sure, I promise. Fingers tell a lot, folks. I love you. Yeah, you really matter to me. 
It's amazing how few words really matter. Just watch someone's hands. Watch their fingers. (laughs) Watch what really matters. (laughs) This one thing. Mark 10, Luke 10, Philippians 3. Three times. Mark 10, Luke 10, Philippians 3. Let me help with the stories. In Mark 10, you might know the story. It's about a rich young ruler. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand about this rich young ruler, because I think he's poorly expressed. But he has riches. He's incredibly wealthy as a young man. But not only does he have riches, he has rank. Rank's a big deal back in Jesus' day. But it wasn't rank in the midst that, yes, he had an office that no one respected. We learn real quickly that he had respect. People looked up to him. They saw him as an example by which to follow. I think that's interesting. In fact, he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what do I need to do to be saved? The dialogue between he and Jesus is so important. And I think it's so often missed. If you remember, Jesus said, do everything and keep all that has been commanded by Moses. All that was in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I need you, if you want to be saved, to keep all of those commandments. Does anybody remember what the rich young ruler said? I have. Talk about arrogance, but it's not. Yet I'm telling you, I don't believe anybody in this room, including myself, could have said that to Jesus. Jesus What do I need to be saved? Hey, Keith, you know all that's written in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all of that that I gave to my servant Moses? I need you to keep every one of those. Just keep them as perfect as you can and you'll be saved. I don't know about you, but I'm done. I'm going to hell, Jesus. Wow, I can't do that. This rich young ruler says, I have. And do you remember what Jesus said? You are right. He's not arrogant. He truly is one who has much. And he has lived a life worthy of the respect he has given, has has received. And Jesus agrees. But then Jesus says these words. This one thing you still lack. What is that? Jesus, I've done everything you wanted. I've done exactly what Pastor Keith has said. I read my Bible every day. I tithe 10%. I serve in our children's ministry. I don't even miss church. Whatever is needed, I'm there at the church serving. And Jesus says, yeah, you've done all that. There's just one thing missing. What in the world is that? I'll help you with that in a moment. But I think that's one of the great issues in our world today. So many Christians think that what they do actually counts to who they are. 
And Jesus says, no. It's crystal clear in the story that anything we do is not only not enough, it will never be enough. And Paul would make it crystal clear, everyone has fallen short and the wages of sin is death. End of subject. Can I tell you what breaks my heart? This, of all the stories in the Bible, this is the one that is the most saddest to me. He is standing in front of everything he needs. I wonder how many people come to church and have no idea they're this close and they do exactly what the rich young ruler does. They walk away from Jesus. And all through scripture, we have no evidence that he ever returned. I've been here 24 years. I could cite many stories, but someone I dearly love pretty much recently wrote me and hadn't seen him for a long time. And he basically said these words to me. I'm not sure I really need faith anymore. Things are going really good for me. And yet I've heard that so often. What I do was never enough. There's something, this one thing. Well, then we quickly move to Luke 10. We know this story. If you've been around the church, it's about two devoted women, Mary and Martha. And Martha, very interesting, is very much characterized a lot like the rich young ruler. She'd done a lot of good. Over and over, we see that time again. So far, she's so good, she even opens up her home to Jesus. How cool is that? I mean, not only do I want to do good, everything I have is yours, Jesus. And Jesus comes over to supper. You might remember the story. As soon as Jesus gets in the house, Mary goes to sort of the lazy mode. She just kind of plops on the floor and looks up at Jesus like, ah, Mary's all about serving. I just talked about that a moment ago. She's busy. She's getting everything ready. I mean, Jesus is in the house. Hmm. It's crazy how a lot of churches, I think, in America, including this one, might have lost itself in that. We confuse excellence with performance and presentation. I don't say this with any disrespect. I don't say it with any criticism or that. But I've had a lot of people write me and tell me and walk up. Keep the sermon to 25 minutes, Pastor. Make sure you put jokes in there. If you're going to try to win people and get them, you've got to keep their attention. So it's about presentation. Better do everything up here as best we can because it's all about performance. See, I believe God deserves our best. I don't think God expects us to try to be the best. But you listen to people. I love that church. They're so entertaining. I've heard that before. He's such a gifted communicator. In other words, if he wasn't, you wouldn't go. We do the same thing as the world. We even judge Christian movies that way. I don't even want to go to Christian movies. They're so cheesy. Isn't that interesting? 
crazy. But just like Martha, we get busy. By the way, if you ever want to know if your service is in vain, it's when you start looking around seeing who else isn't serving. Because now you're starting to go, oh, look what I'm doing. And you know what Jesus said? Enjoy the moment because that's all you're going to get. We don't do because we're noticed. We don't do determining what everybody else is doing. We just do. And you know what Jesus said? Mary's upset. I mean, Martha. Jesus, look at my sister Mary. I'm doing all this work and getting everything ready for you. Come on, this is for you. She's just sitting there. You know what Jesus said? Oh, Martha. This one thing is still needed. What is that one thing? Amidst her service, she had completely forgotten the one she served. And then we get to Philippians 3. And so Jesus offers the question of this one thing, and Paul tells us what it is. In Philippians 3, here's Paul who did what the younger didn't, and I remind you that Paul too was very respected. Paul too was very rich. Paul too had rank, but something changed him. Here's Paul who recognized what Martha had not. And he shows us, if you will, what this one thing is. And here's what he says. I count all things garbage. That's the actual translation. He literally looks at his life, and I'm just going to go off on this and play with me. We know that Paul wasn't married, but here's what Paul's saying. I count my marriage as garbage. I count my children as garbage. I count my position and my riches and all that I have as garbage. I count everything as garbage so I can gain Christ and become one with him. I want to know him. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead for me to live as Christ. And to die is gain. Therefore, not that I've already become perfect, he says. There's just this one thing I do. And he tells us, I keep my eyes and heart on Jesus. Nothing else matters. Because it's in Jesus I understand marriage. It is in Jesus I understand what it means to be a dad or a mom. It is in Jesus I understand what it means I get the privilege to go to work every day. It is in Jesus that I have what I have. Everything's garbage. Once I got Jesus, everything else followed. My marriage becomes the fruit of that. Everything that I get, I count it a privilege because of this one thing. This one thing he says, I do. You know, about 70 years ago, a fascinating conversation took place between Charles Schwab, 
Some of the older people might remember that name. Then he was the president of the Bethlehem Steel Company. A conversation between he, Charles Schwab, and Ivy Lee, a motivational speaker and a self-help advisor. Ivy was a very confident, aggressive man who, through perseverance and time, finally landed what he wanted, an interview with Charles Schwab. By the way, who at the time was one of the most powerful men in the world. During the conversation, Lee proposed that if Schwab followed his advice, the entire company that he was leading would become even more prosperous. Thus Schwab answered, If you can show me a way to be able to accomplish more with the time I have, it'll be my pleasure to listen. In fact, if it works... I'll pay you whatever you ask within reason. So, Ivy Lee gave Schwab a blank piece of paper and told him, you might have that in front of you or your phone or a note place, and I would ask you to take that out. Please, I'm going to ask you to do something. I hope, by the way, I want to encourage you. I notice no one's moving, which means you, listen, you came into the classroom to listen not to learn. I'm going to say that again, if that offended. I just want you to know, if you'd have done that when you went to college, you'd have been in serious trouble. Because when you go into a classroom, you go in to learn. And I believe this is the greatest classroom in the world. And we look at the greatest textbook ever written. So I want to encourage you, find a place in the future, I would encourage you, come with that posture. Please don't be offended. Use that as lesson one. Just got it. Thanks. If you can show me a way, he says, that I can accomplish more, it'd be my pleasure to listen. So again, he said, take out a blank piece of paper and said, write down, and I want you to do the same thing, write down the most important things you have to do tomorrow. I just want you to think about that. What are the top two things you have to do tomorrow or top three things? Just write them down. This was an incredible moment in Charles Schwab's life. He didn't know it at the time. And what Ivy was teaching him is the same thing that I'm trying to do in this room and I want to show you something. What are the top two, top three things that are most important to you tomorrow that you got to get done? Write them down. I'm not gimmicks. This isn't, I'm trying to blindside you. I'm just wanting you to see something in your own life. So Schwab did. Now, Lee continued, I want you to number them according to their importance. And Schwab did. And I'm inviting you to do the same. Now, tomorrow morning, start with number one, then go to number two, and so forth. Don't worry if you haven't completed the list by the end of the day. At least you will have accomplished the most important projects that you see as important. Do this every day. Afterwards, if you're convinced of its value, have your men follow the same system. Teach it to them. Test it for as long as you'd like, and then send me a check for what you think my advice was worth. The two men shook hands, and Lee left the president's office of Charles Schwab that day of the Bethlehem Steel Company. A few weeks later, Charles Schwab sent Ivy Lee a check for $25,000, 
which was an astronomical figure in those days. He said it was the best lesson he'd ever learned in his long career in business. Now, here's the key. What do you see as the most important things you have to do tomorrow? And you will do them. This one thing. Let me get a little more closer to the vine. In the diary of Brooks Adams, and you can Google him yourself and see who he is, but you'll learn real quickly who his dad was. In the diary of Brooks Adams was a note about a special day when he was eight years old. He wrote, went fishing with my father the most glorious day of my life. Over the next 40 years of his life, he would reference that one day and how it had incredible influence on his life. Brooks's father was Charles Francis Adams, Abraham Lincoln's ambassador to Great Britain. He too had a diary. About that same day, there was a note written, went fishing with my son, a day wasted. Every day you get up, I get up. We're doing this one thing. Will God say you lacked it? You still needed it? Or will he say, well done, my good and faithful service? Like Paul, you didn't get it perfect, but this one thing I do. See, Jesus Christ said this. And I want you to look at the screen and read it out loud with me, if you would, from Matthew 6.33. These are the words of Jesus. Read them with me. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I just find that incredible. Steep your life. Here's what it says in the message. The translation, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out and you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Seek first the kingdom of God above everything. This one thing. As my day started today, it'll start tomorrow and the next. And it has for a long time. Regardless if I get in at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, it doesn't matter. I will get up. I'll go make a cup of coffee. I just have yogurt with some berries in it. I'll drain a little thing of that. Go upstairs to my prayer area. Take my Bible in hand. Stretch my feet out on the couch. And as I'm going through 1 Peter right now, just walk through it. When I'm done with that, I will open up a book and I'll begin to read. Sometimes it's a full chapter, depending on the author. It might be a paragraph that just really profoundly jumped out. I'm reading a book right now that's just absolutely fabulous. And then I have a prayer. I go through people I've told I'd pray for, my, my wife, my family. 
pray through my creative team right now, as specific in my staff. I pray for my mentor, for Dr. Joanne and her husband, Wayne, and pray for all of my elders. And I go through a list of people I told I'd pray for every morning. And then I get on with my day because nothing else matters. I don't say that to be arrogant in front of you. I don't say that to puff myself up. It's just this one thing. And the Bible says, live righteously. Now I can. And he'll give me everything I need. My marriage, my family, my work, my finances, everything. And this verse follows, do not worry about anything. What is that one thing? Do you have, like the rich young ruler, and yet don't even realize that you don't? Is there something you're still needing and it's just not fulfilled inside and you don't even realize it like Martha or like Paul? Is he that one thing? And before you answer it, would Jesus say that about you right now? Would the devil say that about you right now? What the world needs isn't love, sweet love. What the world needs is Jesus' love, sweet love. That's what God desires. It's who I want to be as a church. It's who I want to be as a follower and what all of us. I can't do this for you. I can't live for you. I can't choose for you. But tomorrow when you get up, you will live you will give and you will love according to your one thing. What is that? Father, our world is a crazy place. It's not just a place in which everyone in this room lives, but I live too. There's a lot of distractions that I've been guilty of allowing to be a distraction. Things that have grabbed my attention that shouldn't have grabbed my attention. But today is the day that you've made. It's one of the most amazing promises in Scripture that yesterday doesn't matter anymore unless we let it. The devil's going to do everything he can to try to remind us of it. Beat us down with it. But today is a day. It's the day the Lord has made. And you said your mercies are new every day, fresh. And so today, in our hearts, is really you the one thing? It can be. That's a choice we have to make. Again, it's a crazy world. But it doesn't have to be our home. It's a temporary place. We can live for something so much bigger, so much beyond, to know that one day we'll be home with you. And so today we have a decision to make. 
As Paul said, will our hope be in eternal life, which you promised? A God who cannot lie? If we would so choose. You taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God, this is a temporary place. Short-lived moment. <laughs> Vapor, Solomon tells us. But the key to getting through is this one thing. And like Curly said to Mitch, you've got to figure that out. It's a choice. Will we make that choice? Is that really what matters most? Steeping our lives in you in every way. Growing and learning, knowing that when we falter, your grace is always sufficient. But we don't hide behind that to keep making the mistake. We realize that you've got that. Like we talked about in forgiveness, it's not that we have to forget. It's truly believing that you have. And then living our lives accordingly. This one thing. More of Jesus, less of me. By your power, I will be like the flower in the spring. A brand new life. More of Jesus, more of Jesus. May every day that just be our hunger, our want. More of Jesus. And when we're hurt, more of Jesus. We respond accordingly. When we're angry, more of Jesus. And we react accordingly. Just more of Jesus. Doesn't mean we get it right, but then the moment we don't, we just do what's right. Why? Because it's more of Jesus. We just want to be like Jesus. Every day of our lives, God teach us, help us. And may that be the one thing. Seek first the kingdom. <laughs> and as you said, he'll take care of everything. You've got it. More of Jesus. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everyone says, Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.